Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Praise the Lord. Well, this is going to be part number four of our study on just who is Lucifer, understanding Isaiah chapter 14. And uh, we're going to be dealing with the book of Revelation 12, reading from verse number seven. And the common understanding is that the two scriptures, they come together in relation to the fact that there was war in heaven. And so that's what led to um, the the downtrodden of, of Lucifer being brought down. And so on and so forth. But let's just read the scripture here. In Isaiah 14, verse 12, uh, scripture says, How are they falling from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are they called down to the ground with the wickedness of the nations? All right. Then we'll go down to Revelation 12, uh, reading from verse number 7. Uh, the words say, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angel fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought. And his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, a serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And verse 10 said, And heard the voice, I mean, a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come and strength, I mean, now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God. And the power of his Christ, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Amen. Again, we reiterate this fact that the above quoted scripture do not have anything in common. They are not referring to the same thing, nor the same personality. One was a human Babylon king, Nebuchadnezzar king. And then the other is the spirit that worked in the children of disobedience, as we find in Ephesians 2, verse number 2. Now, let's just break this down. Especially verse number 10. Revelation 12, verse number 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our, of our God and the power of his Christ. So for the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. Now, look at this voice. I heard the loud voice saying in heaven. Here was a song of victory. The great enemy and his deception was expelled. The cause of God and truth was triumphant. And the conquering host of the saints, Jews and Gentiles, Christians, whom the enemy was attacking with the deception as devil and Satan, are here united in celebrating this victory. So we know that this is a song of victory as can be seen throughout the Bible. Like that of Moses at the Red Sea. You can find that in Exodus 15 from verse number 1. You find the song of Deborah, song of victory in Judges chapter 5 verse number 1. True. Then we have the song of victory that was sung by David as it was delivered out of the hand of the Philistines in 2 Samuel 22 verse number 1. And then Isaiah 12 to 25. These songs come anytime the enemy and his host and of God's people have been defeated. Anytime there is a victory, 
of the defeat of the enemies, this song comes up. So you look through the scripture, you're going to be able to see exactly what I'm talking about. And that is why the Bible says there, in verse number 10 of Revelation 12, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, this is a song of victory. Now he's come salvation. Amen? Now, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2 verse number, verse number 14, uh, and he said, Now thanks be unto God, quit all these causes unto triumph in Christ, and make it manifest the server of his knowledge by us in every place. The song of victory. That's what it is. Now, what time did this happen? This song that is coming up here in the more revelation 12 what time was it when did it happen when were this this saint if you will you know chorused this song i mean it's important for us to know all right what time of victory does it symbolize there's a need to know now now this certainly relates to the triumph of the church and of truth i mean of truth on the earth as the church triumphs beginning from the cross of christ historically it alludes to the joy and the triumph of the heavenly host the saints when satan and his apostate religions emperor worship were spared from the throne of the roman empire with the enthronement of constantine in a.d 313 therefore we can see that this heathen roman power is called that old serpent which deceived the whole world from his subtlety against the Christians, making the whole world, whole world, then that's the Roman Empire, as far as it was in his power to embrace the foolishness of paganism. It is called the devil here because of his continual false accusations and slanders against the true worshippers of God. Then it's called Satan and adversary in relation to the frequent persecution of the Christian church. The dragon and his angels were cast out to be found no longer in heaven or on the throne of the Roman Empire. Heaven here standing for the ruling authority being the throne from all offices of trust in the empire with its paganistic religion. Firstly, I mean firstly only tolerated and then totally abolished by the imperial worship or power. This great event was not just the work of a single day. It took up many years contending with the deep-rooted prejudice of the heading who as much as possible to the very last try to uphold their declining superstition. It was a long war. You know, paganism received several deadly blows in the time of Constantine and his sons, Constance and Constantius. It was further reduced by the great zeal of Juvian, Valentinia, and violence, but were finally suppressed by the edicts of Gratia, Theodosius I, and his successors. It was not until AD 388 that Rome itself, the resident of the emperor, was generally reformed from the tricks and deception of paganism. But the total suppression of paganism soon followed the conversion of the metropolitan city. And about AD 395, the dragon may be considered in an eminent sense to have been cast out into the earth, that is, into a state of utter subjection to the ruling dynasty of the Christian emperors in Rome. Bear this in mind, believe it, that Christianity was born at the time the Roman Empire was in place, and several, I mean, and Israel was under the government of Rome. Hence, Pilate, working for Rome, could try Jesus. The above, on the historical perspective, 
as I'm saying, as touching the casting down of Satan, and not Lucifer, mind you, from the throne of the Roman Empire. That's what he's dealing with. He's not talking about something that happened up some years beyond, you know, and, and stuff like that. But this directly connected to what happened in the Roman Empire and then what finally happened right on the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, the accuser of the brethren is cast down. That's part of the song. And I would like to draw your reverent attention to this phrase. Brethren is a word used for those who are born again by the Spirit. It speaks of the church on earth. Peter rightly used the word on the day of Pentecost. Act 2 and verse 29. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the Peter of David. That's what, that's what Peter said on the day of Pentecost. And this telling us that the language of brethren is a word for men of like faith. Therefore, those who are rejoicing in Revelation 12 verse 10 of the casting down of Satan were believers in the Roman Empire and not what happened way back somewhere in the blues. Now, you can also read it from John chapter 12, verse 31. Jesus speaking said, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Verse 32. And if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. 33. This is said, signifying what dead he should die. Now, this what Jesus talking about is that, meaning Satan, as it were, was not cast out before the cross of Jesus. As the world said, Now. Spared out his death on the cross and the release of the Holy Spirit thereafter. So, same thing he said when the disciples came back with a report of the devils being cast out of people when he sent them out. See it here, I mean, recorded in the book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 17 to 20. The Bible says, And the seventh, the seventh return again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I behear Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I gave unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over the power of the enemy, and not injure by enemies hurt you. Verse 20 said, Notwithstanding this rejoice now, that the spirit are subject unto you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In other words, you are now heavenly citizens, like you can find in Hebrews 12, 22 to 23. Amen. So, the fall of Satan from heaven, the realm of authority, is clear here that once Christ gets to the cross to destroy the enemy's power, then his followers will not only reign, I mean, regain their position in life, but will also receive power to cast out the demons from an altar of people or the throne of God in the heart of men. This he also demonstrated before the cross in his earthly ministry. You find that in the book of Matthew chapter 12, verse number 28. In this instance, he cast out the devil, and they were saying that using the spirit of death, Bezebub. And so he said, but if I cast out devils by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Can you get that? Right. So, the casting out of devil from heaven was primarily fulfilled at Jesus' crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. When he said, and... Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, that is Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Right? All power, the great Asusia, authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. He told the disciples this, after his ascension and before his ascension. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. So, we therefore can see that the devil was never cast out before the cross of Christ. So, 
to state that the devil was cast out some years back when there was a war in heaven, even before Jesus came, is not scriptural. But at best, the figment of human imagination in theological jingoism. There was nothing like that. Neither is this episode of the devil being cast out anything to do with a creature called Lucifer. No connection here as seen in Revelation 12. Amen? Right. Now, going by Jesus' statement in Mighty 12, 28, where was the devil when he was being cast out? He was right here, or right there, in the hearts of men. When he said, if I cast out the devil with the Spirit of God, then the Spirit of God is coming to you. Where was the devil? It was right in the heart of man. You can take it time to read that in the book of Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23. Alright? Now, you begin to see precisely... What was a heart of man? Let me show you from the book of Mark, chapter, I read Mark 7, and uh, I look at verse 1, I mean 21 to 23, and then you'll be able to see what I have to say there. Look at it, what the scripture says. From within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adultery, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, and evil eye, blasphemy. Pride and foolishness. All these things, all these evil things come from within and defile a man. You see that? That is where the devil walks. So when you get down to Ephesians 2 1 and 2, it says, And ye had it quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience. Did you get that? The spirit are not working in the children of disobedience. So when you move down to verse number 5 of Ephesians 2, what you see is, even when we were dead in, in sins, how they quickened us together with Christ. And it goes on to say, praise the Lord, are you with me? Verse number 5, I mean verse 6. And he has raised us up and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Praise the living God. Can you get it? All right. So this is exactly what we're talking about. It has nothing one bit to do with one creature of somewhere. It was right in the very temple of the living God. Now, the devil therefore was cut out of our spirit that he might not influence our lives anymore. That's the key thing. Is that okay? Right. The space it occupied is now being taken over by Christ's spirit. So that he might influence our lives anymore to be replaced by the spirit of God. In John 3, verse number 6, we are told, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, if you look at it critically, you find that the spirit, there's one Holy Spirit with capital letter, another spirit with small letter. Notice there are two spirits here mentioned. I want you to be very emphatic about that. That is the Holy Spirit and the human spirit. For we know that in Proverbs 20, 27, the world tells us precisely that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Amen. So now we can we, we can walk with another spirit in control of our lives instead of the devil in our hearts as children of disobedience. This is just what it really means to be born from above. The Holy Spirit becoming I mean the Holy Spirit becoming one with our human spirit. And you find that also in First Corinthians 6 verse 17, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Therefore Again, Colossians 3 verse 1 to 2 says, 
If ye there be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ seated on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Colossians 1, no, 3, 1 to 2. Can you see that? So, to be in the earth or earth dwellers doesn't mean those living in the globe or the world. Like you find that the devil is cast unto the inhabitants of the earth. All right here, we're talking about uh, you've risen from above. You're no longer on the earth. That is not to talk about living in the globe. See, but it's talking about those here who are still in their life or ruining their life in their Adamic nature. Those who have not put on the life of the nature of Christ. You can see that in 1 Corinthians 14, I mean 15, 47 to 49. It says, the first man, Adam, is of the earth, the second man is the Lord from heaven. And verse 48, as is the earth, such are they also that are earthy. And as the heavenly, Christ, such are they that also that are heavenly. And verse 14, as we are born, the image of the earthy, that's the Adamic life, we also shall bear the image of the heavenly, which is the Christ life. Amen. So, Paul fully explained this further in Philippians 3 verse 20. And he says, For our conversation is heaven, we also will look for the Savior to change our mortal body, if you will. So, our conversation in heaven means we are heavenly dwellers. For being in Christ now, as we now bear his image, his nature, we are heavenly dwellers. As opposed to earthly dwellers. Earthly dwellers are those who are earthly conscious. You see, in verse number 6 of Philippians 3, written from the Amplified, Paul said, But we are citizens of the commonwealth, homeland, which is in heaven. Right? And for it also earnestly and patiently await the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. That's verse 21 of Ephesians 3. Is that okay? From the Amplified Translation. So I, I, I want you to catch it because it's very important. It's very, very crucial. You understand what we're dealing with here. Um, Ephesians 20, I mean, Ephesians 3, you can take it from 20 to 23. So we're heavenly citizens, come on, wait of God, the homeland which is in heaven. That's our dwelling place. That's our, our resident right now, like you find in Hebrews 12, 20 to 23. Amen. Now, this set of people are compared with those who walk or live in the earthly Adamic life. And so if you look at Philippians 3 again, 18 to 19, you find that it's a different group of people here. What did he say? The Bible says, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Amen. Those who my earthly things are the earthly dwellers, as opposed to the heavenly dwellers. And we become heavenly dwellers because the devil, which was in our heart, is being cast out and be replaced with and by the Spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit, and taking us to a realm of heavenly citizenship, like you find in our Colossians 3. If you there be reason, we'll be reason from the outline, we're now in the heavenly state of existence in Christ. Is that okay? Praise God. So, these again uh, are those earthly dwellers like you find now in 18 to 19. Therefore, through the cross of Jesus, the ruling power in the heart of men have been dislodged to be replaced by the rule of Christ as kingdom subjects. And this new state is termed dwelling in heaven. Not necessarily geographical location as even Christ himself 
though on earth in Palestine, yet was in heaven when he told Nicodemus. Look at the statement of Jesus to Nicodemus in John 3, verse number 12 and 13. He said, If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall I believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Again, looking at the following scriptures in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 31, I mean 32, 1 to 2, you'll be able to see clearly the division between heavenly dwellers and earthly dwellers. Let's look at it in Deuteronomy 32, 1 to 2. Listen, O heaven, and I will speak. Hear, O hell, the words of my mouth. Let my teachers fall like rain, and my words descend like dew, like showers on new grasses, on the new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants. That's from the NIV. Now we see that Moses was speaking to the priesthood because Moses couldn't be talking to the physical heaven. When he said, listen, oh heavens, and I will speak, who was he talking to? A physical heaven up there, geographically located. And then he was talking about the earth. Now was he addressing the trees, the oceans, and, and all of those things? No, not at all. The heavenly here that it was, heavenly Remia was referring to when he said, listen to me, oh heavens. He was speaking to the priesthood in Israel. And then when he said, hear all out, my teachers, he was referring to Israel as a body. We were the earth realm. So you have the heaven and the earth played out here in Deuteronomy 32 from verse 1 to 2. So we have the people who live in the heavenly realm. We have those who live in the earthly realm. Is that okay? So, why cast our devils in the floor's place? In order that the blindness and the hearts and the mind of people might be removed. You find that in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 to 4. It tells us that if our gods will be healed, it is because the God of this world has blinded the heart of men. Let the glory of gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ should shine on them. That's what you find in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 to 4. So, when the devil is cast out, you begin to see clearly how God intends you to see. In other words, they cannot receive the revelation of Christ with the image of God, thereby expressing God instead of the nature of Satan. That's why the devil is to be cast out. This is the primary purpose of the gospel of Christ and the true ministry of deliverance. Hence, we read in the book of... Um, we can take a look. Uh, let me just say, Second Corinthians 4, we said that before, but let me just read it straight up for you. Um, you see, for the same God who said, Out of darkness, let light shine. In Genesis chapter 1, verse number 3. Has caused his light, which is Christ, to shine within us. Give the light of the revelation. That's the revelation of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So, Paul will now say that Ephesians 3, I mean 4, verse 23. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Why? Because in Him, in Christ, was life, and the life was the light of man, like you find in the book of John, chapter 1, verse number 4. You together. This is why the devil needs to be cast out from your heart. When the very temple of God, which is now usurping. Now, if this is not achieved through the ministry of deliverance, then true deliverance has not taken place. Jesus emphatically said this to Paul as part of his main commission. Now get what I'm trying to say here. When we talk about deliverance, it's not just about 
pursuing some demons or some uh, traditional father spirit that are working in your life or, or stuff like that. True deliverance, the revelation of Christ within your spirit. How that the old man usurping the authority of God in your life is cast away. And uh, you look at this very critically. In other words, when you get delivered, you begin to see more clearly. You begin to yield to the authority and dominion of Christ. Is that okay? Right. So, in Ephesians, I mean, Act 26, verse 17 to 18, Paul, um, Jesus was speaking to Paul, and this is what he told him. I mean, I'm reading from the Amplified Translation. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, verse 18, to do what? To open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may thus receive forgiveness and release from their sins and a place and portion among those who are consecrated and purified by faith in me. Did you get that? Praise the Lord. So here we find that Paul is saying, I mean, Jesus is telling Paul, this is why I'm sending you to the people to, to produce deliverance in them or to cause them delivered. So why is he going to deliver them? Open their eyes. Amen. That it may turn from darkness. So when the eyes are open, you turn from darkness to light. From the power of Satan to God. That's just what it means. This is a re-deliverance. Otherwise, you discover that, you know, like Israel, God will deliver them and yet they'll go back to the things that were delivered from. Why do you think you have the book of Judges? Because Israel was always getting into captivity and God will send the deliverance. He will send judges to deliver them. The Deborahs, the Samson's, the Gideons, the Jephthah, all of these were judges by implication that they were deliverance. They were helping Israel to overcome Philistines. That's what it means. Praise the Lord. All right. So, you better notice this true deliverance, like I'm talking about, is to opening, um, the opening of the spiritual eyes of those blinded by satanic ignorance, that is the power of darkness, so that they might begin to receive light, which is the gospel of Christ. Praise the living God. Are you still with me? That's the key thing about deliverance. And when that happens, you're set free from every other power, every other spirit, if you will, that similarly was supposed to hold you in bondage. I want you to catch that because it's very, very important. And so again, let me just quickly look at the Second Corinthians chapter uh, chapter 4. I read it for you again. Praise the Lord. Uh, let me take it again from verse number 3. And this is what it says. Um, but even if our gospel is veiled or hidden, take note of that, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose mind the gods of this, world, of this age are blinded, who do not believe, lest, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Did you get that? This is what deliverance stands for. So that gospel of Jesus, the light of the gospel of Jesus, will shine unto them. So, so but what is happening? The heart of men are blinded so that they don't see the gospel. So, Paul, God sending Paul now, he was talking about, I'm sending you to open the eyes of the blind. So that they can begin to see. Praise the Lord. Did you see that? That's what he was telling them. Look at it again. Act 26, 17 to 18. Delivering thee from the people, from the Gentiles, who announced thee. To do what? Open their eyes 
that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may thus receive forgiveness and release from their sins from a place and a portion among those who are consecrated and purified by faith as is the main. Friend, this is the real deliverance. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. So the casting out of devil from the heaven, from heaven, is a dislodging of his power from the throne of God, the very heart of man, where he God was supposed to occupy. And it happened only right from the time of the cross of Christ, not before then. Satan's fall was not prehistoric. Praise the living God. We'll take it up from here next time. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.